Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ask questions. Just try. Be nice. Be you. I just ask. And I've been connected with people by asking other people. I think it's one of the main things. It's just ask. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Do you have nothing? So just ask. And that's what I did in any, in everything, in every single way. And believe in yourself. Just really believe in yourself. And it's going to happen at some point. But just don't be afraid to ask the question and ask for help. And that's what I did. Welcome to Bucket List Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie. This is episode 133 with Uta Londrigan founder and owner of Heimat New York, a distillery specializing in liqueurs, crafted just like her German grandma used to do 100 years ago. Local fruits, seasonal bottling, and entirely all natural. But she didn't start out doing this. Uta shares in this episode her professional shift from corporate positions that had her traveling the world. And she talks about why her thriving New York-based business, Heimat, which means homeland in German, is exactly where she feels most at home. Uta Londrigan, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad we were able to pull this together. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so glad we're doing this. I've been enjoying watching your company's growth on social media. Your distillery is just 10 minutes from my house. We also have German heritage in common. My mother is from Germany. Meine Mutter ist von Deutschland, if I said that right. <laughs> I don't speak German, so let's just get that out of the way. But uh, your heritage is a large part of your founder story based on you being born and raised in Germany. You lived in Dusseldorf. And some of the wonderful traditions that the country has to offer have birthed your business. So let's begin with a little bit about those origins and work our way through your journey to creating Heimat New York. Where do I start? I mean, yes, born and raised in Germany, close to Düsseldorf. I have two siblings and I grew up with every season. I mean, back in the days, we rode our bikes all the time. We didn't drive, we rode bikes. We ate what was in season. I started studying in Germany. I studied in the UK and then I started my career in marketing before I got married, before I had kids and then everything stopped. We moved to Asia moved to the U.S. and I started making liqueurs. And this is, yes, this is the short version of our journey so far, yeah. Well, let's hear more about the different phases that led to what you're doing now. We try on this podcast to also zero in on a pivotal moment for you. It's not just about your resume, but what you were thinking and how you got to this place where you said, I can become a founder, I can do this. And you didn't start out with Heimat. You had a history of different jobs. You said you were in Hong Kong. What were you doing then? I know you worked for a brewery at one point or another. I did, but uh, Hong Kong was my time where I was uh, simply a mom. Before in marketing, I worked for different companies like Ferrero, L'Oreal, Nivea, and then my last career point back in Germany was Germany's largest brewery. I was the new product director for the marketing part and was able to travel the world with my colleagues and see what's actually out there, what kind of drinks. And so I had the one moment before in marketing with Ferreo was like brand design, brand management and all those kind of things. Moving then to the brewery where it was really from scratch. I mean, we had an idea. We had to look into all the possibilities, like the bottling, the creation of the product, the setup. 
And then I got married. And in Germany, the rules about pregnancies are a little different than there are in the US. And so you actually stay home for a year where you still get paid. Must be nice. <laughs> it was very nice. You can stay home for three years in total. Mm -hmm. The next two years, you don't get paid, but have to give you your job back. This can be a different brand or a different position, but on the same level. And so my husband came home one day, our daughter was three months old, and he said, I just got this offer to go to Hong Kong. And I was like, okay, let's go. And I always wanted to live in Asia. I just think it's fascinating to me, the culture and everything. And I thought, this is the perfect timing now. Let's go. Right. Kids were young. You're not really uprooting them I just yet. had one. I just had a three-month-old yeah. and I was home. Right. And he was like, let's sleep about it. And I'm like, let's do it. And we did. Adventurous. Yeah. She was five months when we left, moved to Hong Kong. We said we're going to stay for two years. We had our son in Hong Kong. We stayed in total for four years before... Pollution was getting worse. It was not really healthy for the kids. And so my husband, who is American, asked to move and they moved him to New York. So after us being in Germany for a long time, it was great for him to be back in the States. And so that's when we moved to the U.S. That was a milestone in terms of your professional exactly. journey. Because I know you were traveling the world and you were meeting people who built businesses that would inspire you and such. And you were probably beginning to network. And you say that the seeds were being planted while you were working at that brewery and working yes. in product development. But what was it about when you got here to New York that helped sort of launch your idea? It was certainly the nature and the possibility of seeing all those beautiful fruits out here. Oh. Starting going to the farmer's market again, okay. having experienced all the seasons, I was homesick. I was not able to leave the country. So I made started making liqueurs again, like my grandma used to make them. I made like tiny batches and I gave them to friends. You go for like a dinner party or something. So I brought it to my friends and it got to the point that total strangers stopped me on the street and said, excuse me, are you Ute? Yeah. Um, can I buy a bottle of your liqueur? And I was like, well, wow. no, I, I don't sell it. And that was the moment when I went home and I told my husband, Rob, and he's like, okay, I guess you should look into this. And I was like, well, I can't get it. how? And he's like, let's check it out. And he was the biggest supporter. And yeah, so we went through looking for a small space because it's alcohol. So you cannot just do it from your home, like some home bakers would do. I can't. So we looked into renting a space, starting our federal license, starting our state license and making like connections to different farmers. Because I think the importance is to use what's in season. And New York mm. has just so much to offer so many fruits. And that's how we started. When this lady asked me, can she buy a bottle? It was for me like, oh, okay. Yes. Of course. So isn't that how it begins? And you yeah. obviously saw a need for something that wasn't on the market already. Exactly. That is very specific to your traditions and German made. Mm -hmm. And your grandmother's recipes are actually what you're producing now. Give me some examples of the liqueur and the fruits that are used. My grandma, like it's back in the days, there were no strawberries in March. There were no strawberries in December. So they had their backyard and so they would harvest their fruits when they're in season. They eat them fresh. They make jams. They can them. And my grandma always had some for her liqueurs. And so the liqueurs were 
in the basement. She was in charge. And so she took some of the fresh berries and made liqueurs. And so back then it was in enjoyed after coffee and cake, which is a huge thing in Germany. You meet in the afternoons for coffee and cake. The coffee clutch. It's a coffee clutch, <laughs> correct? And so my Which is like a joke on Saturday Night Live. You know yeah, that obviously yeah. and coffee <laughs> talk, coffee clutch. Right. But it is actually a, a really big tradition. It's a culture. huge tradition. And so those ladies, they would after the coffee clutch at the end, they would all enjoy a small glass of liqueur. So this is not a shot. This is like enjoyed just like sip by sip back then. The entire liqueur industry or like liqueurs have changed throughout the years. They have Mm. been like included in many drinks and now play an essential part in almost every cocktail. Wow. That sounds nice to sort of incorporate something from your youth into your professional pursuit now. And that's what this show is about. Just learning from you how you got to a place where you decided to make a change, pivot to a new area, and especially love to highlight female founders. So let's talk about the years of planning and there's licensing, creating contacts with the farmers, which you mentioned, to open the doors of your distillery in Mamaroneck, New York. And that was November of 2018, correct? correct? Yes, correct. So you're a few years in. Can you share a time that you had to overcome a significant obstacle? Where shall I start? I mean, there are obstacles throughout the way. I mean, (laughs) obstacles. At the beginning, it was certainly the licensing. When you start looking into licensing, it's completely overwhelming. And especially as a foreigner, Hmm. yes, you can get lawyers, but this includes a big budget. And I like to not just jump like do this big jump. I was like, I gonna do it all step by step. So I did it myself. That was the biggest obstacle at first. And also finding a space to rent. I didn't want to go too far. I wanted to be close for our kids. And to say you are a distillery is not something which opens the doors. And especially if it's a small place, people were not open really to rent something small. They start with like 2,000, 3,000 and larger facilities. And I was not planning on going so big so fast. And that was another obstacle. And then you need to find farmers. I didn't start with 20 pounds. I started with a little bit more than that. So you go and approach farmers, but they don't really sit around the phone. They don't wait for you to talk to you. So it took us some time to get connected and talk to farmers. Once you have the foot in and once you have partners, they go Buff and beyond. And it's hmm. probably one of my favorite parts of what I do is like the direction, like the contact we have with our farmers. They're partners. Of course. And what would you say served you in overcoming those obstacles? Those are the, the biggest difficulties. How did you do it? Ask questions. Just try. Be nice. Be you. I just ask. And I've been connected with people by asking other people. I think it's one of the main things. It's just ask. I mean, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing. So just ask. And that's what I did in any, in everything, in every single way. And believe in yourself. Just really believe in yourself. And it's going to happen at some point, but just don't be afraid to ask the question and ask for help. And that's what I did all the sure. time. So reaching out and networking. And what about skills that you feel you may have transferred well to what you're doing now from your previous career, different positions that you've had. What do you think was most useful to you in what you're doing now? There are just so many things. I've 
to work in marketing for four and a half years, brand management was probably one of the toughest schools I could have ever attended. Design, organization, time management, and hard work. I mean, long, long hours. And yeah, that was the design part. We learned everything from scratch. We had to learn. We had to be with printers. We had to go and learn how everything was made. And that was like the best experience I could have ever asked for. And then the brewery from the single grain into the bottle. I mean, I've learned everything. And I was at the filling machine at 6 a.m. in the mornings to try the first batch of one of the products we created there and be with every single part of the company, meaning with all the different people, meaning the brewers, meaning the accountants, meaning the lawyers, meaning everybody. But it's like this entire networking, working together. Yes, now I have my own, but working together as a team and yeah. putting everything together like a puzzle is yeah, probably one which was like super helpful with my career, which I had before. Yeah. That prepared you for what you're doing now. Do you like being a founder? Do you like running the show? What are some of the pros and cons in your mind about that? I've heard some guests say it can be lonely. It can be a lot of pressure because everything falls on you. Being a founder is lonely. But I do have to admit, I'm very happy by myself. I don't mind being by myself. But yes, sometimes you just need to interact. I have the interactions with people like I work with, like farmers, but also ourselves. We go to accounts and talk to accounts and do all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I started meeting with other founders. Mm -hmm. There is something beautiful about moms who are in the same situation. It is a different life. I'm still there for my kids in the afternoons. I still drive them in the afternoons. So I work till three and I work at nights. So there's not much of a social life, but it fulfills you. And I know it sounds for many people do not understand and I get it. I completely understand and I don't judge. But for me, I've not been happier before. I, I always love to work. I just, I'm not a person who likes to just sit on the couch and do nothing. This is not me. I love to work. I loved all my works I've done before. This is something which it is Heimat. Heimat means homeland in German. Oh, I was going to ask you about the name and the origins of that. It is really something which means a lot to me. It's not always fun. No, it is not. But when I open the doors to our facility and I step inside, it is very fulfilling. Definitely fulfilling, but well, yes. Well, that's why you're on this podcast, because you <laughs> feel that you have achieved that. And that is elusive for many. And it doesn't necessarily happen out of college, right? Mm -hmm. It's no. in most cases an evolution. We're probably at that point in the podcast now where we can talk about takeaways from what you've experienced and your story. I actually read something recently and I thought I would just sort of read it to you and get your reaction, see if it resonates. It's from Steve Jobs. He said it about six years before he died. And it feels like a bombshell of truth. So I'm going to read it to you. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. So reading that again, do you think you already somehow knew what you truly wanted to become? It was just about unearthing it. I think yes and no. 
I mean, yeah, I knew I wanted to have my own business. I knew there was something. Did I know how it's going to be? Did I know that it's going to make me happy? No. What did you have to get past to get there then? Yes, you have to get past, but you have to just overcome and believing in yourself and just, there are always people around who doubt. There are always people who just smirk and look at you because they just live a complete different life. Everybody's different. And we should just respect and encourage people who do what they want to do and what they love to do. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't be open to criticism because I think it's very important to have this exchange. And I call myself very fortunate that I have, first of all, a husband, partner in life who I can really share thoughts and worries and idea with. Yeah, you're lucky. Because it's like the exchange we have out of it. But I also have amazing friends. I have an amazing sister. Whatever I do, and I feel kind of uncertain, or I have one of those days where you think, oh, why do I do what I do? Why? Yeah, or you feel run down, exhausted, drained. We've all had those days, of course. Yeah, but be open for this exchange with those people, be open to discuss and maybe pivot within, within what you do. It doesn't mean you do the wrong thing, but be open to change, just to grow within. And growth. I was just about to say growth. (laughs) We're on the same page. That's a great place to wrap things up. And I would, of course, like to have you mention where people can find out more about Heimat and how it works. I was asking you, is a distillery open to the public? So just give us a little idea and summary. Yes, we are open to the public. Right now, during the winter months, it's only by appointment only. But starting with the spring, we're going to have three days where we open. It's usually Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. Typical hours, which are found on our homepage or on Google, you can find everything about us. What we do is probably best to follow us on Instagram. It's Heimat and Y H E I M A T and Y our homepage, or go to a local liquor store, or look for a bar's restaurants in the city who carry us and create beautiful drinks with our liquors. That sounds amazing. Well, Uta Lundrigan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. I learned a lot and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. And I'll be seeing you. I'm definitely going to stop by soon. In fact, I'm coming to an event. You're doing also some fundraising things for local charities there, which is awesome. So I I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm looking forward to having you. All right. Have a good day, Uta. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Krista Laurie. This is Bucketless Careers. We've got a brand new episode coming your way on Thursday. I hope you'll join us again. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on. 
on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.